Good morning everyone, I'm Emma Walsh, the CEO of Parents at Work and I'll be your host for today's special event discussion. If it's the first time you've joined us for a special event, welcome. We actually have over 100 people from all around the world joining us today. In fact, this event sold out within two days. Parents at Work lots of these free special events to connect you with experts in the global community to assist you with the daily juggle of career and family life. So I really encourage you to please share these events with people in your community. So what are we discussing today? Well, we're talking about being a working dad. This year we're launching for the first time a series of Working Dads Connect online group forums like this one. It's a chance for the working dads in our network and other dads outside in the community to hear from experts on all things related to managing work and family life as a dad. And I'm delighted to announce and introduce to you our first guest presenter, author and university professor Scott Beeson. Joining us live from the United States today where it's actually 8 o'clock at night. Scott is a professor of management at Fairleigh Dickinson University in the States. He's a national expert in work and family issues and was featured speaker at the White House Summit on Working Families and at the United Nations. And he's the author of the Working Dad Survival Guide, How to Succeed at Work and Home, and we'll be talking about his book. It really was the first of its kind, providing advice and encouragement to working fathers, helping them achieve career success while also being involved loving um, dads. Now, Scott also founded a popular blog in the States called Fathers Work and Family, dedicated to helping working encouraging more supportive workplaces. Scott regularly writes for publications such as the Harvard Business Review, Time, Success, Fast Company and other journal, other um, publications like the Wall Street Journal. He has also featured in other outlets such as the Atlantic Esquire, Quartz, the Washington Post and he's an accomplished professional speaker and provides consulting services through the Centre of Parental Leave Leadership. He lives in New York with his wife, actress Amy Griffin and their son Nick. Scott's kindly agreed to share his insights on being a working dad and to give us a taste of his book, The Working Dad Survival Guide. This event, as I said, was oversubscribed, so there's lots of dads listening in today who I'm sure are keen and curious to hear what you've got to share, Scott, so thank you very much for being here. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So I thought it would be useful if we actually started with a couple of um, State of the Nation statistics on working fathers. And, I'm also going to encourage you to get involved in the discussion and this is the way that um, it works on webinars for those of you that haven't joined before. You'll notice you'll have a panel which will allow you to ask questions as a question box and throughout this discussion if you could type in any questions that you have for Scott um, or myself, we'll do our best to field those questions as the conversation goes. There's also a chat box as well where you can make any comments so um, listen in and get engaged with the, with the call. If you can't stay on the line for the full hour, we're recording this, so you can listen to it after the fact. Thank you. So, as I said, the state of the nation in Australia, this is what we know. Well, 15% of, of fathers request flexibility since the uh, right to request flexibility came into Australia in 2010. So, this was a report done uh, a few years ago, and yet it's still quite a small um, percentage of numbers of fathers actually requesting flexibility. Men are twice as likely as women to have requests for flexible work hours rejected. 
9% of young fathers prefer to work a compressed work week, but only 20% of fathers do so. One in four men experience discrimination in the first year of parenthood or during pregnancy, and one in 10 dads struggle with depression following the birth of their baby. Nearly 10% of men said they would rather take a job with less money if they were likely to have more family-friendly and flexible workplace uh, conditions. And in fact, more than 25% of men report that they feel trapped in their current workplace, in, in that they would like to have more flexibility and different roles, um, but they feel that they can't uh, do so. So there's, those are quite, um, I think, confronting statistics, and I think this discussion is long overdue. So I thought we might start today with a poll just to see what's really going on, what are some of the core issues for working dads. So in a moment I'm just going to show a poll for you and if you can, if those of you that are um, actually online, have a go at answering this for me. This will help form the discussion with um, Scott and I today. What's the number one issue that keeps you up at night? So you'll see that there's a couple of uh, questions there. Uh, to answer financial support for you and your family, how to pay the bills. Not spending enough quality time with your children. Not spending enough time on work that you would like to do. Relationship issues with your partner or ex-partner or something other than that. And maybe you can share that in the chat box. So we'll just give you another 10, 20 seconds to finish that off. Thank you. I can see all the results coming in. And we'll share those with you in just a minute. Okay. So I'll just give you another five seconds to do a vote and we'll close that poll. Okay, thank you because I've got 90% of you have voted so thank you very much. Let's share those results. Scott, I think this will be interesting. So we've got a myriad of issues but certainly that, that juggle between the financial support for your family and how to pay the bills and that conflict between not spending enough time, quality time with the children. Um, Scott, interesting, what do you make of these results? Well, this makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, for um, as much as we've been talking about in the news about, um, at least in the United States, about breadwinner moms and how you know women are, are earning more, et cetera, um, the fact is, in, at least in the States, 80, in 85% of dual parent households, the, um, it's the father's income uh, that is the primary or sole income in like 85% of these families. So um, even though dads are aspiring more and more to spend more time with their kids, to do more um, around the house, to do more with their, their children, you know, it, as you were saying, you know, many guys feel like um, they still need to be the provider and they're still perhaps um, stuck in a role um, that, that prevents them from being uh, with their families as much as they'd like. Um, at the same time, you know, you got to take care of your family. That's job one. So um, yeah. this is a universal um, challenge and a universal aspiration, right? How can we have a successful career and be a highly involved father? And, you know, that's that's the universal challenge um, that um, thankfully more and more men are, I think, rising to and figuring out ways to, to at least make it mostly work. Yeah, well, then that's the reason we're having the conversation today, really, isn't it? I mean, that's the, as you say, the, the million-dollar question. And um, let's see if we can have a go at answering it today. So I thought um, Scott and I have had a 
obviously speak before this call and I, I really wanted to give people an overview of what we're going to talk about. So I'll just hide those results so we don't need to see those now. This is what we're going to talk about and I'll hand back to Scott in just a minute. So we will go through some of the challenges that are unique to working dads, obviously the time and life management strategies that we think we could discuss today that might be helpful, tips on reducing stress and perhaps increasing confidence when it comes to balancing work and family and caring responsibilities. And we're going to have a, a talk also about approaching employers around flexibility if, if those are, of you would like and uh, supporting partners without compromising on your own needs. So they're some of the things that we're going to talk about today as we go through the session. So what I'd like to do is, is start by obviously talking to Scott about his book. Scott, if you can begin by sharing with us you and your own story. Tell us more about, I guess, your you've been flying the flag for working dads. And, and then we can talk about what prompted you to start a blog and write a book on this topic. Yeah. Well, so I started as an academic in this area studying workplace technology and workplace flexibility in like the late 90s. And that got me reading a lot about work-family balance and, you know, because workplace flexibility and technology can really be an enabler of that. And I noticed that, every, you know, almost everything was about working moms, which is appropriate. Um, however, you know, even over time, that didn't really change very much. And it just, I always got that feeling that even though I wasn't a parent yet, it seemed to me that we were ignoring a parent. Um, you know, half of all parents are dads, right? And there should be attention paid to their work-family challenges and struggles too. So as I moved on in my academic career, um, you know, I, I did research in this area. And the thing is, if you're an academic researcher, like, you kill yourself for a year to write up a study and collect data, and then, like, I don't know, a hundred other people read your work, and that's about it. And I felt like that was pretty limiting. So... I decided about four or five years ago that I wanted to get information, um, advice, encouragement, strategies, best practices, etc., to the people who really needed it, um, to working dads themselves, so that um, you know you can reduce your stress levels and have a more successful work-family juggle, um, and also working with companies on how they could better address the needs of their working dads. So that's why I started the blog. Um, because I had not seen an online conversation on this topic at all. Um, and I saw this as a forum to share stories, to uh, provide advice, to uh, bring in other voices and experts to, you know, to talk about different things. And that was kind of step one in my going kind of public with my work for working dads. Um, you know, being a, uh, putting, starting a blog, uh, I, I really... I feared a great big collective yawn from the universe because who was I? I was just some you know random business school professor. Um, but it turned out it really hit a nerve and it became very popular very quickly. And I don't think because I'm some genius or anything. I think it's because this was a topic that um, it, its time had come. It had been long overdue. So the blog I very specifically had in my mind uh, that, that hopefully that could lead me to a book um, and lead me to a book deal, to an audience, um, etc. So I was working towards that, and that's when I also started writing for magazines and business publications and uh, men's lifestyle magazines, um, doing everything I can to get you know the word out about why work-family balance for dads is so important. And then um, you know, uh, writing the book, which you know there still isn't a book, uh, another book out there uh, that really 
provides advice and encouragement for my fellow working dads. So um, that's kind of why I, I wanted to write the book and get this out there because, you know, to me, being an involved dad is the joy of my life. And being an involved dad while also having a successful career is a real point of, point of pride for me. And, you know, my wish is that all dads out there can feel that joy of being an involved dad uh, while also uh, having that pride of uh, having a, a successful career. Um, so that's what I'm trying to achieve uh, in my small way and, and contributing to this. Yeah, I think that's got it, and I agree with you. Having worked in this area um, myself, advocating for working mothers' needs, particularly in the last 10 years, I agree that the time was overdue to have this conversation around working dads and the part you know their needs and the part they play, and you know that you know uh, I don't think a successful working career as a family unless we approach it as, as a family. However, your family unit is made up, right? Um, yeah. And and appreciating you know that everyone's unique needs are different. I, I just would like to read for everyone just a small quote from your book, which I um, I think is very poignant to that point. You write at the beginning of the book. While everyone's, detail, uh, while everyone's details are different, the, the themes are similar, virtually every working dad I know struggles with balancing time and effort required to be a good financial provider with the time and present and involved father. We all deal with this work-life challenge in different ways and it's never easy. But we have struggled seemingly alone for too long and as a society we don't talk enough about the work family challenges fathers are confronted with. And we fail to recognise that so many dads are running themselves ragged to succeed both in their families with little support from employers, public policy and society. And it would be nice to get more support. So in our small way I hope we're doing that today. <laughs> So I think that's a really interesting point. I think it really sets the theme for why you actually, you know, wrote the book. Tell us a little bit more around what you think, because I think the book's very, very useful, and I want to stay with the book before we move on to the next point. What are you hoping that people would get from reading the book at the end of it? You know, what are the helpful points throughout that you think um, make this such a good read? Yeah, so um, what I try to do first off is I, I wrote the book very much like a um, business self-help book, like the kind yes. you know maybe career dad you know career um, businessmen and women would read you know to to help in their career. So the the chapters are relatively short. There are exercises and self-assessments at the end of every chapter that you can kind of go through, um, and I'm hoping that it's a useful book in that way to help people think through their situations. So um, you know ultimately I think that you know. The, the best, I guess, big picture piece of advice is to take a little bit of time to really think through what your priorities are. Um, and, you know, obvious, your obvious priorities are, you know, being a father, being a husband or spouse, um, and, you know, your work. Um, but, you know, a full life really means taking care of, you know, a wider set of priorities than that, too, taking care of yourself. Um, taking care of your social needs, making sure to spend enough time with friends and family and uh, be part of your community or your faith community or, um, you know, whatever else is important to you. Um, and then once you kind of identify some of your priorities, then you start thinking about how you're using your time. Are we using our time consistently with what our priorities are? Um, or are we out of balance? Are we spending more time 
uh, on certain things and not enough time on others? Are we spending really too much time at work and not enough at home? Are we spending so much time, you know, you know, if you're a working dad and you're doing it right, you take care of other people first, right? You take care of people at work, you take care of your family, and there often doesn't seem to be a lot left over for you. So are you taking care of yourself too? Are you getting out to see your friends once a month? Are you getting three hours of exercise a week? Um, you know, are you able to unwind every now and then? Are you able to have date night with your wife uh, every now and then, um, you know, to feed those other parts of your life? Because um, I don't see it as a work-life balance between work and family. I really think it's, you know, kind of looking at, you know, all of the priorities in your life and making sure that we were spending time accordingly. So that's kind of the big picture. Um, and then the, the book really goes through uh, thinking through your priorities, thinking through your finances, uh, thinking about the workplace and how we might assess our situations and how we might be able to advocate for ourselves at work. Um, and then thinking through our home lives and how we can make you know better use of our time at home, how we could protect our family time from you know cell phones and the creeping demands of work, uh, how we can make our time with our family more memorable. And then finally, how, how can we take care of ourselves? And also, how can we be a resource for other dads and also use our fellow dads as resources too? Because if you think about it, you know, you're my tribe, right? My fellow working dads, and we need to, to think of it that way, that we can help each other out. Um, and one of the things that prevents us from helping each other out is we don't talk about our challenges as working dads because it's not seen mm -hmm. as manly to do so. Uh, workplaces don't seem supportive of it. You know, I don't know, television in the United States still uses dads as a punchline. I don't know how it is in, 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 in Australia. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it takes a small bit of bravery, I think, to to stand up and say, no, this is important, and I, you know, this is a, something I'm, a challenge I'm working through, and I could use some support, I could use some help, uh, I need to talk about this, um, and taking that step can really help. So, anyway, the, the book starts with big picture stuff, then gets, you know, uh, a little more specific advice, and then kind of ends on some bigger picture issues, too. Mm, okay, I think that's a really good reflection of it. You know, having it here in front of me, I, I really think the practical exercises in it are very good and very important, as you say. I think the key thing that I took away from it, having looked at it, importance around prioritising. I've already had a few comments come through the line as we've been talking, Scott, and there's been a few people that have mentioned the importance of, you know, not having enough perhaps energy that people need to get yeah. through the day, um, yeah. and you know. That is just such a key issue for I think working, you know, dads and mums, because there are so many things going on in the day, you know, at work and at home that constantly seem to be distracting you from perhaps going about the day the way you intended, and you know, taking you away from tasks, taking you away from relationships that are important to you, and if you don't have an anchor around what you're really trying to, you know, do, you know at the beginning of the day or what your intentions are around fatherhood or your career, um, you know, it's very difficult to manage those distractions effectively. Absolutely. One dad that I interviewed for the book, and, and the book, I interviewed dozens and dozens of dads about their challenges and some of their strategies, and I, one of my favorite anecdotes is this one dad implemented in his family from 6.30 to 8.30 at night, there are no screens in his house. Um, not for him, 
not for his spouse, not for his kids, including a teenager. Um, and at first, this was really difficult for all of them. It was like withdrawal um, because he would get texts from work or phone call from work. Uh, you know, his kids would be on their computers or on you know their phones, um, and they weren't together. So th they decided as a family to create this block of time where they could not be disturbed by these other things. And um, in that way, you know, it almost created this. Uh, I don't know, like this ease around, okay, this is my family time. I'm not going to think about work till 8.30, you know, unless the workplace is on fire, I'm not dealing with any work things until after that. And it just took the pressure off a little bit, and he felt like he was a lot less stressed about spending time with his family. He was even less stressed about taking care of work because he knew that 8.30, if a phone call came, he could take it in good conscience, uh, knowing that, you know, he had already spent some good time with his family. So, Sometimes it's you know a thoughtful use of our time and also like protecting our time and, and scheduling time for our priorities and protecting it, um, which might mean talking to people at work and say, listen, here's the deal: when I go home at night, um, I'm going to be home and I'm not I'm not going to check in at work until my kids are asleep or I'm not going to check anything until later. Um, and you could set those expectations, um, and usually as long as your performance is fine. Um, People become okay with it over time. So there's there's things you could do to to um, to advocate for yourself and to protect that time. And I think if you protect that time, if you have a chunk of time with your kids, it feels so much better than if you have 10 minutes here and then you get a phone call and 15 minutes here and then a distraction. And and the same thing at work, right? Um, if we had an hour to take care of a a project at work, we could get a lot done. But if we're constantly being interrupted. We don't get a lot done, and we feel stressed about it. So um, it sounds – I'm making it sound easy, and I know it's not, but you know, if we can over time um, kind of think about our time use and be a little, maybe a little more disciplined both at home and at work uh, about our time use, um, it makes our time feel less stressful even as we accomplish just as much. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I actually think of time as my most important asset. And you've got to be careful about what you know what you're giving it away for, and yep. really thinking very carefully about, as I said, what your intentions are for work and for family on any given day. And if you're not your own best advocate on that, and you don't respect your time, it's really hard to keep other people hold other people yep. accountable for how they use your time. So it begins with you. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you know, in fact, um, you know, not to keep going on this, but I, I was giving a talk at a, a large uh, financial company in the United States, and uh, we were talking to dads about, you know, how, how have you done things, you know, work-related-wise to, to protect family time? And one guy said um, he puts everything in his uh, Outlook calendar, um, you know, when he's going to be out of work. So if, it's, if he's going to his daughter's school, uh, you know, from you know, and only coming in at 11 o'clock because you know he's going to be at his daughter's school in the morning. He puts that into his Outlook calendar. It's shared with the rest of his workplace, and he labels it as his daughter's school visit. Um, and you know, I think that's great. Um, and may, maybe not all of us feel comfortable enough to do that in our workplace, uh, but he did. And I think that's that's a good way to make it known that hey, you know, family stuff is important. It's important enough to schedule in. It's important enough to kind of defend that time. Um, and also, you know, 
about energy, just one, one last thing, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm a some great athlete or anything, but it, if you're sleeping enough and you get at least three hours a week of active exercise, you will have more energy uh, to um, take on the rest of your life. You have 168 hours in a week. Um, we could probably find three of them to be physically active. Um, if we watch what we eat, if we try to sleep at least seven hours a night, and I know you guys with the young kids, seven hours of sleep sounds like a little slice of heaven, but um, if we're not getting that, you know, we're, we're going to lose our, our, you know, we're going to just be depleted. Um, mm. But if we take a little more time for us and our physical health, we can have more of that energy. Yes, I know I agree with you. That's certainly a tip that I talk about too, that, you know, sleep is key and if you're not getting enough sleep, then you can't do anything else well, not exercise well, not work well, not parent well. Um, and that if we can prioritise sleep as one of the most important things that we do as um, parents, that gives us some energy to do those other things well. But yeah, if we're... It's really tough when you have little ones, uh, I, I understand. Yeah. But you know, maybe that's trading off nights with your spouse so that at least some of the time you're getting enough sleep and she's getting enough sleep. Um, you know, um, yeah. I think one of the greatest gifts mums and dads can give each other in that first year of parenting is as many naps each <laughs> as possible, yeah. um, so that you can really prioritise sleep. And again, it's uh, I, I totally acknowledge how challenging that is. I have three of my own. And uh, but if you can support each other with sleep first, gosh, there's a world of possibilities out there after a good night's sleep. Um, tell me, I think we I really like to move on to perhaps a, a bigger discussion that needs to be had. And what is the role of a father? You know, what does society and workplaces expect from working dads in 2017? Because I think it's so different from 10 years ago, 20 years ago and obviously beyond. We're in a different era and I think it's changed and I wonder whether what is the role of a father? That question has been asked and answered for people. Yeah. Well, you know, I think men are facing a kind of the funhouse mirror version of what like women have faced over the last couple of generations where women um, have expanded into the workplace and work hours but they're still kind of expected to also do everything they used to do in 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 their domestic roles, um, and that's you know obviously is crazy making right uh, for for working women um, that you're still expected to take care of everything and you're expected to work. Dads are facing almost the reverse of this, which is many many more men aspire to shared care approaches and kind of egalitarian 50/50 ish approaches at, at home, but they're still expected to work as many hours as they ever have. Uh, to take on as many responsibilities as they ever have um, in the workplace. Um, and so the workplace hasn't lessened expectations, um, even if uh, men are doing more uh, in the home and outside of work. Um, and in fact, some research out of Boston College recently uh, said that, uh, showed that two-thirds of dads aspired to a, you know, a, a roughly 50-50 shared care type of approach at home and would like that in terms of earning too, that we'd rather have it, have families where both parents are earning and both parents are doing much of the homework. Um, and
and but only about half of those dads have figured out a way to mostly make that happen. Um, so there's mm. you know this large swath of dads who aspire to uh, being very close with their kids and spending a lot of time with them, and also maintaining everything at work. Um, and you know that's hard. Um, so you know I really feel for those dads, and I think you know that's kind of who I wrote the book for. Were the ones who aspire to something. Um, to a track that's maybe not where they are right now, um, but haven't quite figured out how to get there. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say is, you know, some research on on generations. So, dads in their 20s and 30s today aspire much more to having um, more emotionally close relationships with their children than fathers of prior generations. Um, you know, dads have always loved their kids, and dads have always been good dads to their kids. Um, they just do, kind of do it in different ways uh, along the generations. But these generations of dads today, the ones who are facing the big work-family challenges now, um, have an aspiration for like, you know, closer relationships emotionally with their kids, and that's that brings a, a separate set of challenges. Um, and you know, I'm a college professor too. And I see this. I see my 20-year-old, 19-year-old students, they text and talk to their parents almost every day. And I think this is wonderful. Um, I really hope that my 11-year-old son, when he goes away to college, uh, feels that emotionally connected to me, that he wants me as part of his daily life. You know, I think that's a wonderful thing. And But that's not an expectation that um, that men had for themselves or people had for dads. Um, in prior generations, so th th things are changing, and not always for the for the worse. You know, I think this that's a very good um, new aspiration that dads are facing. Mm, I do. And how do you think workplaces are responding? You know, what's happening in the states uh, around how you know workplaces yeah. are accommodating? Well, you know, we're much like Australia. We lag much of the rest of the world when it comes to work-family policy. From a mm -hmm. you know government point of view or a policy point of view, and in fact we are the one advanced economy in the world that has no provision for paid maternity leave at all. Um, we have more mm -hmm. company when it comes to paternity leave because you know that's less common in the world. But so the the government hasn't really done its job. So what's happening is it really it varies so much what employers do. Uh, in fact, I'm doing some consulting now, and one client has 12 weeks of paid paternity leave with like support services and training for both as you're going on your parental leave and as you come back. And another literally gives one paid day off. Um, and you know, according to some statistics, only about 15% of private employers offer paid paternity leave. Um, those that do tend to give far less than they give maternity leave. Um, but it's really all over the place. So a lot of it is, you know, did you win the boss lottery? Um, is is kind of uh, where we are as as dads. If you're working at a supportive workplace, you know, you're you have a great setup. Um, if you don't, you don't, and um, it makes life harder. Now, the companies I've tended to work with uh, over the last few years, when I've I've really expanded my consulting and and you know speaking with companies, is um, Ironically, in, in like your most kind of like uh, macho, heavy-duty, intensive workplace cultures like big tech, like in Silicon Valley um, or 
you know the big financial firms headed in up in New York. Um, and the reason they're catching on with this is they see the costs of turnover, and they're seeing that you know in the old days, or the old days, um, the old days of 15 years ago, um, they were having a hard time holding on to women in their 30s. Um, you know, if you're in a big four accounting firm, um, you know, they have a lot of women in their 20s, and then when they get to their 30s, they wind up dropping out of the workforce or finding other jobs because they can't quite make it work being a, a working parent. Um, so that's always happens with a lot of these companies. But now they're seeing that they're losing their dads too. They're losing men in their 30s. So these bigger companies see the data and see the cost of turnover, um, especially in competitive fields. Um, unfortunately, not every labor market's super competitive, um, and you know um, many other companies haven't quite adjusted to it um, as well as they could. So it's all over the place. Is my that's my long answer mm -hmm. to a short question. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And look, here in Australia too, there is certainly mixed um, support and a lot of I think variety around what's actually offered. Uh, to working dads around paid parental leave schemes, although there is some basic dad and partner pay um, that the government has um, provided only very recently in the last couple of years. So I think government and society as well, workplaces as well, they're still catching up with this yeah. role of a father and how yeah. to accommodate yeah, fathers in the workplace as well as mothers. So, yeah. And you're right, it's a new conundrum for them because, you know, before it was seen as just a working mum issue, but now it's become a working dad issue and, oh goodness, what are we going to do with it? Now, so many organisations here have introduced flexible work uh, practices, mm -hmm. yep. all designed to help with this, yep. um, but certainly there's some, I think, room to move because we know that there are still challenges. Let's talk about some of those challenges now. Yeah. What, what do you see as some of the common challenges working dads do experience, you know, particularly in those first few years as they transition into parenthood and you know, start to balance work and family? Yeah, well, uh, first off, you, you were talking about workplace flexibility, which, if you can get it, really does help solve so many of these problems, right? Because um, most dads don't want to really greatly reduce their work hours, in my experience. What they want to do is have more control over it so they can be where they need to be when they need to be there, both in work and at home. Um, so workplace flexibility really is, is an amazing tool. However, not every job lends itself to that. Um, and then, of course, now your company cultures and maybe your older, old school kind of bosses don't really support working that way. Um, so that's really, you know, a challenge is that, you know, it, and it's a generational one too. I think when... Um, most of the people who are leading organizations today are men who really have not faced work-family uh, balance challenges in a way that much of their workforce has. Uh, most people who are top executives, you know, the, the men who are top executives, tended to have at-home spouses who took care of the rest while they climbed the corporate ladder. So, of course, they see their way of working as the way to get ahead. Um, and they might not, it, it, they might understand it on a cognitive level, but they don't really understand it. Um, so I think one of the, one of the ways change can happen is when, you know, is just going to be over time when people who 
when God, men and women who have struggled with work-family challenges rise to leadership positions, you know, they'll have a different understanding and probably be more accepting of things like, um, you know, um, more flexible work. But there, there are, you know, workplace culture, performance evaluations, you know, um, for you, you guys listening in who, who work, right? Most of the time, our, our performance evaluations are not really good reflections of our performance, and in many cases are just a reflection of how much time are we spending at work? Are we putting the chair time in, so to speak? Um, or, you know, are we visible at work? And, you know, if companies got better about really understanding that good performance is less tied to where you work or when you work or how you work, um, you know, this could lend itself to more flexibility. And then just finally, and again, I know I'm going on and on in some of my answers, is, you know, there's research that shows in many workplaces, it's not safe to out yourself as an involved dad, um, where, you know, men who talk about family at work a lot or men who um, change their work hours for family or take an extended parental leave, um, they sometimes are seen as, one, less dedicated to the company, and two, less manly. So it's still tied up with like gender expectations too. Um, and violating both of those in you know certain workplaces that are not very understanding uh, could really have career consequences. So of course, dads will stay, um, you know, uh, under the radar when it comes to their uh, family responsibilities. And of course, that means we don't have these important conversations if everybody stays under the radar. Um, and I guess the last thing, in the United States, our health insurance is tied to um, employment. And as a result of that, many men feel like they just have to stay in this job because it takes care of their family, not just earning money, but providing health insurance. Um, and that's a real barrier to men maybe finding another job or um, starting their own business or you know figuring out a different way to make things work. So um, you know, there's lots of things that constrain the choices, um, or at least the perceived choices that dads have. Um, and, you know, I even talk about this, about managing your career in the textbook, in my, um, in the Working Dad Survival Guide book. Um, and, you know, I note that, listen, the change isn't going to happen right away, but, you know, if you have a plan, and maybe it's a two-year plan to get yourself to a better work situation or to a better employer, um, but we could start maybe putting those preliminary plans into place now. Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think part of it is having a vision for what you want to see change, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, owning that and saying, well, here's my current reality, but this is the future reality I'd like to have, you know, yeah. and sometimes even the conversation isn't had. Letting all these ideas swim away in our minds with a whole lot of anxiety wrapped around them, but we're not able to sort of unpack them and put it down. But sometimes it's as simple as saying, "What's working for me right now? What isn't working for me? And what do I want to be different?" And really starting out with a, with a plan, as you say, at least for yourself in the first yeah. instance, because then it allows you to have that conversation with other you know, loved ones, your manager, anyone else that you think is appropriate to bring into the loop around your current and future reality, I guess. Yeah, and, and let me just, I think that's an important point, and if I could just build on that for a sec. Um, first off, you don't have to do it how anybody else does it. You know, you should have conversations with your spouse, with your family members, 
um, and figure out what works best for your family. And maybe that's a traditional approach where you know you have a primary breadwinner and someone else who's primary at home. Maybe it's a more shared care 50-50 approach. Um, it it, ha it should be what you and your spouse agree on, what that is best for your family. So first off, there's no better plan than anyone else's, but it's just you know, figuring out what is it that you want and what is it that's best for your family. So if you fi figure out that, then you can take those steps. And then secondly, I say this all the time to um, guys I know or, or uh, men that I've coached on this um, who feel like they can't ask for... Uh, the ability to work from home sometimes or can't ask to take some time off or uh, change how they work or you know um, use workplace flexibility and I ask them why and they say well I don't think my boss will would appreciate it and I said well you're not giving them the chance um, you're not giving them the chance to do the right thing um, and you you know if you don't ask the answer is always no so, um, you know, we can be smart about how we present something, make a business case for it, negotiate for it in a kind of a win-win sense, anticipate what their concerns might be, uh, but ultimately, you know, having a strategy to have these important conversations with people at work or people at home uh, for the support that you need to be successful both at work and at home, uh, you know, is important. And um, I think you summed that up really well. Um, having these conversations, having a plan for yourself can lead you to have these conversations. And you know, I've heard from a lot of guys who um, they were afraid to take an extended paternity leave. Um, but then they did. And you know what? It was no big deal. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, there were dads who were like, oh well, you know, I wanted to be working from home one day a week would make my life so much easier. Uh, but I can't ask for it. And then they asked for it. And guess what? They got it. And it made their lives easier. Um, so uh, sometimes you do have to, you know, ask. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I couldn't agree more. I think so many of the, we, the good ideas we have, we kill off before they even um, find a way to make it out of our mouths because yeah. we just don't think anyone else is going to buy into them. Well, I, to me, it's if, if we're not buying our own idea, we're not convinced in our own right about our own idea, then, as I said, there's no no way we can convince other people. So it's got to begin with a self-belief around, yeah. this is important to me. I'd like to see how I can make this happen. I'm prepared to have a conversation and to see what happens. Yeah, and maybe, other, you know, if you're, yeah. if, if you're not sure your supervisor will be supportive of, like, working, you know, flexibly or something like that, you know, suggest it as a trial run. Um, mm. You know, keep a... Um, Promise them you'll keep a log of your work hours. Um, set goals for the next two months and track your progress towards the goals and share those with your supervisor. You know, to minimize maybe what their legitimate concerns um, or illegitimate concerns. Um, you know, so there's ways to ask for what you need. You know, saying that, you know, being able to work from home one day a week is not just good for me and my family life, but it helps me avoid the distractions of the workplace on days where I really need to do long-term planning or really dive into the spreadsheets um, yeah. and if you can make a business case right you know you're much more likely to uh, succeed in your request so thinking about it from the other sides standpoint um, you know can help us negotiate more effectively for what we need and I have a whole chapter on um, kind of some suggestions about maybe how to present a case for working more flexibly yeah and I think um, there's another great um, phrase I've heard around 
this um, whole what we put up with, if you like, and asking ourselves, you know, what are we tolerating in our life right now that actually isn't working for us? And are we prepared to continue tolerating it? Yeah. And so sometimes the answer to that question might be, yeah, we are. We accept that this is the culture, this is yeah. the work that I do, this is the workplace I'm in, that it is the way that it is, and I like it, but I need to tolerate it because that's fine. I've, I've made peace with it. But if we're not prepared to tolerate it ongoing and we don't want to have the year that we've had last year, again this year, then we need to do something different to get a different result. Yeah, and I, I would say that applies to uh, parenting and fatherhood as well. Um, you know, are we happy with our role as a dad? Do we feel like we're, we've been relegated to a role as like the helper parent to our, to our wife who's the primary parent? Um, do we feel that's the case? Do we like that? You know, is there something we could do about it? Is there a conversation we can have? Um, uh, and again, you know, not everything is possible, but you know, if we really think through our priorities, it can help guide some of our decision making, or at least assessing our situations and seeing what's possible in the short term or the medium term. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so much of it comes down to, you know, as you say, you know, your own vision for yourself your family and your career and being able to work out what you're prepared to put up with and tolerate and what you, you're not and yeah. creating non-negotiables for yourself yeah. and that's the first step and the second step is then being able to, fi to find the, not only obviously the courage to have the conversation but find the right vehicle in which to have the conversation yeah. um, because obviously there's a time and there's a place and you know other leaders that you're working with or peers that you're working with, they too have their own um, work-life um, demands that they're trying to meet whether they're parents or not and it's being respectful of other people in your team I think and your leader and their concerns and challenges and finding a way to have a very respectful conversation around they have needs, you have needs, how can you find a way that's yep. going to keep yourself both of you engaged in I guess the ongoing employment arrangement um, and I think when it's approached like that as you say Scott I've seen a really positive approach one of the things that I've seen go badly for both men and women negotiating flexibility is when they go cap in hand asking for permission yeah. and I and I think about this um, a lot around you know, you're in your role you know your role best you know um, you, you can certainly make a good case for how it could be done differently since you're the person doing it every day. Mm -hmm. And so if you can go in having a, a conversation that says, you know, I've reviewed this, I've done an audit on what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and I've found some extra time here and there and, or I've come up with a different plan around, you know, how I want to do it, Let I'm going to have, just, you know, FYI for you at this point, probably don't need you to do anything differently about it but I wanted to let you know that that's what I'm doing because I want to have now a go at it. It's, so it's a different approach as opposed to um, please may I, do you mind terribly if I, I work from home next week? Uh, because when we ask like that mm -hmm. and we're questioning it, it, I think inadvertently makes and subconsciously even makes the person we're asking question it too. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's better to ask for um, 
ask for forgiveness rather than permission um, is, is a um, so you know what if you need to work a little more flexibly next week in fact one of the dads I profile in the book um, you know, he talked about days where he coached his son's uh, little league baseball uh, team he had to leave his office at around 330 he worked at a big financial firm in, in the city he would just go around and check with his team and his boss around three o'clock hey you know anything you need and then he'd leave at 330 uh, on those days and he didn't like make a big show of it or announce it, but if someone asked, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm coaching Little League. Um, he didn't ask for permission. He didn't ask for, you know, hat and hands, as you were saying. He didn't make a big show of it either. And you know what? His work continued to be great. So even though people might have raised their eyebrows a little bit the first couple weeks, um, eventually nobody cared uh, because, again, his work was good. He checked in with everybody and made sure everybody had what they needed. He, um, you know, he would check in at night if he needed to, um, but he just, without apology, um, mm. you know, was kind of like, hey, this is what I need, and I'm, you know me, I, I got everything covered. Um, mm. You can trust me on mm. this because I've built up credibility by being a good employee, so uh, that's something that could really be helpful too. Yeah, I think so. I think if we're working in a workplace where, at the end of the day, we feel comfortable enough to be able to, as we're leaving, say okay, everyone, I'm, I'm going to be leaving shortly. Is there anything you need, anyone needs from me before I go? That's that mutual respect that I was talking about. It's not hiding the fact that you're a parent. It's not hiding the fact that right. you're responsible to be somewhere else. But it's also about being considerate to the needs of your fellow you know, colleagues. Yeah, um, and, you know, and again, and it's, you know, if it's always like, hey, you know, I have a family thing, I have a family, you know, then it's like, you know, are, are parents necessarily more entitled to this than everybody? You know, shouldn't everybody have the opportunity to work flexibly if it makes makes sense for them? Um, you know what I mean? So it kind of um, changes the conversation a little bit away from, I need this to, this is a way it works, you know? Um, so I, I agree with you very much on this approach. And, and one extra thing I'd, I'd like to share on it that I think might be you know, a helpful tip for people out there. If we walk around at work or at home constantly apologising for, oh, I'm sorry, I can't stay, I've got to go, I've got to pick my child up from childcare, oh, I'm sorry to my spouse at home, I'm sorry I'm late, I had to get that report done at work. We are using the word sorry at the beginning of our sentences um, throughout our working week. That's a lot of sorriness that you're walking around with on your shoulders. And what is the tone that you're then setting at home or at work when you do that? So I would just consciously people listening in today just to count how many times you're saying sorry and how you can re-script that because that sets a tone, I think, of a lot of sorriness at work and at home when we do that. So, Scott, question for you now as we final, come into this final 10 minutes of this conversation and we've got some great questions flowing through and I'm going to ask them as we go, so thanks everyone. And I think some of them will be answered by Scott in this next piece. What leadership lessons do you think we can learn as Working Dads, Scott, that can help us manage our work-life balance? Because we know we can't necessarily control our workplaces, mm -hmm. nor the, you know, the society in general. But what can we do? Right. To manage ourselves. Well, it goes back to, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know if you get, you all know about um, something called the serenity prayer, um, which is, you know, God, grant me the um, 
the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, yes. the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's pretty good advice uh, <laughs> overall. You know, there are some things we might not be able to change. And you know what? If we're mm -hmm. trying to take care of our family and others, sometimes work is work. And sometimes our hours are not negotiable. And sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do. And that's fine. That's being an adult. Um, but, you know, can we um, have the courage to change the things that we can? And then, you know, can we really assess our situation and kind of know where we can make some needed changes? So I think that's important. I think the, the other thing leading to this question, I like to frame this as when I became a dad, I got better at certain skills that really helped me at work. <laughs> um, and... I was a very type A on everything kind of person, you know, rushing from thing to thing. Uh, everything had to be on time and very perfect. And I let go of a lot of that because once you're on a kid's time, you have to kind of get rid of that, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, so it helped me understand a little bit better about, like, prioritizing and what's really important and what can wait. Um, and that's helped me quite a bit. Um, I think also... Um, being a better listener, and also, um, frankly, being a better explainer of things. Um, when you have a four- or five-year-old, uh, your major role, I think, as a parent is explaining the world to your kids because they keep asking you why this, why that, why this, and why that. Um, and it really forces you to really think through, how am I going to answer this question in a way that this person can understand it? And that's a great way to communicate at work too is how do I best communicate what I need to get across so um, those are some kind of leadership skills I think I acquired uh, when I became a, a parent that has really helped me uh, in my career um, but I think you know um, that there's a term called self-management which you know is is kind of taking some leadership principles and applying it to our own decision-making and I think it comes down to priorities comes down to time management it comes down to comes down to um, creating um, boundaries that are appropriate in our lives. So appropriate not just for us, but for the other people who rely on us. So if we have appropriate boundaries when we're at home for when someone from work can contact us um, or how they can contact us, and we have an appropriate boundary that we communicate uh, to others, saying, you know, unless it's a real emergency, I'm not replying to emails until after my kids go to bed. You know, if you set that boundary and it works for your workplace, it works for you and works for your family life, then that's great. Um, you know, everyone in my life knows Monday night is my volleyball night. Um, that's, I play in a, a fairly competitive, at least for middle-aged guys, uh, volleyball league on Monday nights, and that is like that has police tape and barbed wire around it on the family schedule. Um, and because that's my time to really, um, you know, get some exercise and social time and, and you know, kind of take care of myself a little bit. Um, and my wife, you know, knows this and she plans around it. And, you know, when she needs time, I plan around that. Um, if we need to hire a babysitter, we hire a babysitter. If I've had to drag my son there sometimes uh, because that's like my haven. And... You know, sometimes, again, having the discipline to, you know, set a full range of priorities, I think, is an important leadership lesson. Yeah, I, I, look, I agree. I think having certainly um, 
revisiting your vision and values around what's really important to you now that you've become a parent and what do you in fact want to put in focus. Um, and noticing, I often talk about the things that this will change, it's dynamic. You know, what might be important and necessary to do right now will be different again in three months, particularly with young babies. And um, being able to just manage your own expectations around, well, right now, this is what I need to best perform at work and be the dad I want to be for the coming weeks and the coming coming months. And I note that I'm going to check it off in you know a certain amount of months' time and make sure that whatever changes, I'll do it again. Um, and I'm going to trust myself that I can work that out. You know, that's part of that self-belief and I think good yep. self-leadership principles um, that, you know, you've got to have trust and belief in yourself that you can make this happen. Um, and when you have that and, you know, other people follow people that have um, certainly, I think, a strong sense of, of self-leadership. Um, it's much easier to influence other people on your point of view if you have one for a start and you share um, what's really important to you. So I think um, revisiting when you become a dad, what your values are around work and family life and re-communicating that to the important people around you um, is an important step that I think is often missed. And it's not just a working dad, it's a working mum issue too. I have those conversations constantly. But if we can revisit our vision and values for work and home life um, and, and do that, as I said, that audit and then be able to um, revisit it in, in a few weeks or a few um, that's what a, a flexible approach is really you know, about. And being agile like that is really going to help you respond um, instead of react to what's actually going on around you. Um, so a couple of questions that we've had come through that I, I would love to put to you, Scott, if you wouldn't mind at this point, um, all related to this. Um, ben, thank you for your question. I'm sure it's relevant to lots of other people around this. Um, if we are negotiating flexibility, how do we manage, you know, we've got a full-time job, but we're trying to do it in fewer days or we're trying to yeah, have reduced hours in some way. How do we ensure we don't get paid less because we're still doing effectively the same job? And look, I think that's a really, really good question and um, one that I think certainly prevents probably men applying yeah. for paid parental leave or, or more flexibility once they're back. Your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, well, I think that um, there's kind of the formal forms of flexibility like official telecommuting and official flex time and official... Um, compressed work weeks, etc. Um, and that does kind of raise some questions. If you are actually working fewer hours or, or something like that, it leads to those questions. But I, I think for most guys, at least most men that I've worked with, um, they're not looking for fewer work hours. They're just looking for work hours at different times or um, working in different ways uh, or in different places. So I think that's the way to approach it is I'm not doing less work for you. Uh, I'm just doing it sometime outside of 9 to 5 and someplace other than the office. And if that's mm. the approach, you can maybe work out an informal, ad hoc, as-needed understanding with your supervisor and coworkers around it. Um, so that would be you know, my advice if you don't want to make this kind of a formal uh, policy solution. You know, maybe these informal arrangements allow us to kind of customize our approach while making sure our bosses and other people get what they need. 
Okay, thank you. Another question from uh, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Trust in the workplace can take months and years to develop. I'm conscious and I'm, I'm nervous about having to join a new company because you know I'm very fortunate at the moment, um, but couldn't go on with the demands and requests. Um, but I couldn't go in with demands and requests for flexible working. So I think that question is really centred around, and I think it's a good one. If we've got trust where we've got, and we've got some good arrangements going on where we are, mm -hmm. it can pull us back from taking other um, job opportunities, a promotion in the same company or sure. leaving the organisation because we're nervous that we're not going to get the same um, flexibility needs. Or, you know, you could be in the same organisation and your boss changes. You had all these good arrangements, a new leader comes mm -hmm. in and says, no, kiboshes, all of that. Um, how guess do you have to handle those kind of situations, Scott? Well, you know, first off, I have to say there, there, there are probably trade-offs to this. I, I don't think everyone can get have it all, certainly not all at once. Uh, we're adults and sometimes working more flexibly or having you know different approaches might mean that we um, we don't get quite as far ahead in our careers at least in the shorter term. Um, so I think we need to be um, understand that there could be trade-offs and if we're okay with those uh, before we proceed. That's part of kind of understanding your situation. Um, but you know, I, I would say you could be your own advocate. So um, what are you doing to make sure other people, one, that you do a good job and people know that you're doing a good job? You know, are you somewhat gracefully selling yourself in the workplace? Um, are you, is your, is your boss aware of how happy your customers are? Um, are, you know, are, is your boss aware of how well your coworkers think, you know, you're a really great team player? Um, do other managers in other departments know who you are? Um, you know, these are things that you could do over time, uh, maybe and document and share this information and get other people to advocate for you um, that might be able to build your credibility to that point where you feel comfortable being more assertive um, with some of these requests. Okay, well, thank you very much, Scott. We're at time now, and I, I wanted to say thank you very much for all the dads that have taken the time to dial into this um, session today. Appreciate that. Um, it's a, a busy hour you've taken out of your day, but I hope that's been an investment, actually, in your um, life at home and at work. The Working Dad Survival Guide, if you'd like to pick up Scott's book um, on the screen now, we're showing you how you can get that through Amazon. Um, Scott, Thank you very much. I really appreciate you being available. Uh, today in the evening, your time and giving up your evening time to be with us today. Oh, thank you so much. And if I could just say one last thing. The fact yes. that you, my fellow working dads, have spent this hour thinking about this issue and, and being here gives me all the confidence I know, uh, that all the confidence I need to know that you're going to do a really good job as a working dad. Uh, we might not be able to have it all, but I think you know you could be successful at work and successful at home, and we need to start having this conversation with more and more people in our lives. So thank you. Thank you, Scott. Um, and we'll welcome to our upcoming webinars. You can see them on the screen now. We'll also be having another Working Dads Connect session in eight weeks' time, so we'll be sure to send you an invite and uh, join us again. Thank you so much. Please share this with other dads in your network. Have a lovely day, everyone. Thank you, Scott. Bye for now.